Live from members only studios, welcome to Living in the 80s, the podcast we talk about anything and everything having to do with the 1980s, the best that we can remember it. So as you can tell, this is our British episode. And as you can also tell, my accent is crap. So I am going to leave that to the experts. Today, I've got a very special guest, Robbie Burgess, host of the 80s uh, show podcast. We've got to know each other on Facebook and thought it would be a great to do a joint collaboration thing here. So I'm looking forward to it. We've been chatting here for the last few minutes or so, kind of getting to know one another. He's a cool dude. You guys are going to like him. So, uh, Robbie, welcome. Hello, mate. You know what? This it wasn't bad. It was very Dick Van Dyke, but it was pretty good. <laughs> the English accent. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to pull off the Mary Poppins thing, right? It was very good. And it, it started off well and then it petered down. But it was great. Well done, buddy. <laughs> well, I, think, I think the effort kind of fell with it too. You start off strong and you fade away. So it was the story you know, of my life. Dick Van Dyke's got a panic. He's got <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to do uh, we're going to talk about lots of cool stuff about you know Robbie grew, growing up in England, talk about his podcast. Uh, one of the things that's going to be super exciting is he's had some very notable special guests on his podcast. And we're going to talk about that and how all that magic happens on the other side of the pond there. So, uh, but before we do that, uh, it's customary around here, not just because you're on here, but we have a, um, a, a topic that we like to call 80s Rewind. Nice. So this is where something within the last week, whether we've heard a song, saw a TV show, heard, you know, a, a movie or whatever, what... 80s noteworthy thing drew your attention this week? I suppose it's got to be the film Prey, isn't it? The new Predator movie. They're going on about that one. Um, I, I, I saw the thing on Amazon about it. It looks intriguing. So why would an 80s connoisseur like this movie? It's um, it's going back to Predator a lot. I mean, they're going on about it being the best one of all now, which is junk <laughs> you yeah. know you need a big austrian man walking through the jungle to make it amazing exactly <laughs> it's it's, an, it's nice that the native americans you know have a big central role in it that's that's really really lovely to have a bit of american culture in it in that sense um but you know you've got like an armed team in the original one with submachine guns and then she you know, fights him with a stick and does a lot better. <laughs> you think, you know, how does this work? As you know, and they throw the line: "If you, if it can bleed, we can kill it in it." And they kind of was just like, "Where should we put it in the film?" I oh, will stuff it in there. That'll do. And it doesn't actually make any <laughs> sense when they say it. Um, but I think just pure, you know, pure nostalgia would make you want to watch it. But 
It's not the best one. I don't care what anybody says. It's pretty good. You know, for me, it would go Predator 1, Predator 2, and then this one, and all the others can just okay. fall away. But as an 80s person, I think you, you watch it hoping there's going to be a bit of nostalgia for the original, and literally that one mm. line is pretty much it. They refer to Predator 2, funny enough, in it. They do return, oh, nice. Yeah, which I won't tell anybody in case they've not seen it, but if you know what it is, then you go, ah, oh, Predator 2. But they don't really acknowledge the first one. So um, I just watched it out of curiosity because they were raving about how good it was. And then I was like, okay, then it's got to be pretty good to top Arnie. And then, you know, you watch it and it's it's not, <laughs> to be honest. It, it was definitely, intri- like I watched the trailer for it the other night and I thought, huh, I'm going to have to do it. So it's in my queue of like 30 other things. <laughs> yeah, Maybe we'll move it up a little bit since it's got your seal of approval. So. <laughs> it's, it's usually like if I see something... And it looks okay, like I'll save it. But then if I have a conversation with a friend, yeah, a little more likely to go back and watch it. So I, I mean, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I did enjoy it. I, I thought it was okay. But I was also on my phone. It was one of them kind of films. I was doing two. It wasn't like I was just drawn into it. And, you know, it was, I, I was sort of. And there was bits of it where you thought, actually, that, that refers to Predator 1. But they didn't go in that direction with it. They kind of just... I mean, I'm not going to give anything away too much, but there was a bit where, where this dog falls in some mud and then the predator can't see the dog. And you think, oh, are they going to go down that road? And then they don't do it. <laughs> You're going, what? <laughs> What's going on? They found the one thing that they can help them and they just yeah. wash all the mud off themselves. Yeah, so you've got like one Native American story. There's only one thing they can do with it and then they don't use it. You're like, what? <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. That's nuts. <laughs> So for me, I guess the 80s thing that hit me the hardest this week was the passing of Olivia Newton-John. Of course, yeah. 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 I mean, you know, we all knew her. Like, I grew up with her. Like, my parents were listening to country music in the early 70s, which is in the the United States. That's where we first heard of her, doing her little mellow stuff that kind of crossed over to pop. And then, of course, when Grease happened, she became, you know, more of a household name. Mm. And, you know, I think everybody just sort of adored her, but the eighties, she certainly left her mark. Like when physical hit, like yeah. sort of like she sort of reinvented herself and carried enough momentum to, you know, the first half of the decade. Anyway, she was, she's pretty much a force in music. So, uh, definitely missed very graceful lady. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's yeah, to see her go. It's strange. I was um, I've never seen it, but I um, I dug out the soundtrack to Xanadu the other week because um, I'm oh. a I'm a vinyl collector, so I've got a load of vinyls, and um, I just I had a copy of it, so I put it on, and um, like it's, you can tell the difference on both sides when she comes on, she's amazing in it. But um, yeah, so it, for me personally in England, I only know her for three things really: it would be Greece, Xanadu, and Physical. So did mm-hmm. she have a did she have a massive American career that we don't really acknowledge in England? Um, well, you know, she did because she, she, she was one of the unique people, I'd say like Barbara Streisand ish, where she could act and, you know, perform music as well. Uh, she had, she had a pretty good following. Uh, Americans are very, uh, they, they tend to ride on any trend that comes through. Right. So whenever, like when the Greece thing happened, everybody was all about Greece and then, when physical happened, everyone was all about physical. Uh, when Xanadu happened, people were all about the soundtrack. No one here, the, the movie's crap. It's garbage. The effects, <laughs> I've never seen it. I've very seen dated. It. The story's weak. But that soundtrack, I mean, you know, we're 80s people here. Mm. The ELO songs on there were, 
were really cool. I mean, what I love about Greece is they've got 30-year-olds that are trying to pretend to be 17. Yeah. <laughs> I had a conversation <laughs> with somebody about that the other day. It's like Stalker Channing looks like she's ready to get her you know, retirement benefits, <laughs> and now she is playing this teenager. I just air-quoted for those of you that, that uh, can listen to us. Like Jeff Conway, who was in Taxi, yeah. Like he plays like a thirty-year-old guy there. We're led to believe he's going to be a teenager. <laughs> so, not sure how all that worked, but it did, and people loved it. I think it's because the soundtrack was so. What's the word I'm looking for? Is um, it iconic or iconic? Yes, thank yeah. you. I don't know the simple words sometimes escape. That was mine today. Mm. Uh, it was very iconic soundtrack, so people just gravitated towards that. And, uh, you know, as far as Olivia, everyone kind of adored her. Yeah. Uh, she, I mean, she wasn't like, you know, Madonna level superstardom, but she was definitely, you know, people knew her. And, you know, she pretty much stayed away from controversy most of her life until the weird thing with her husband and the boat and whatever yeah. happened way back. I guess her husband faked his drowning. I can't remember what it was, <laughs> but there was something weird like that. But, you know, for the most part. People just, you know, everyone liked, liked Olivia here. So, Have you heard the theory theory in Greece that um, Sandy was dead at the start of the movie? Have you heard this one? Uh, no. So, you know, um, right, in the, so the movie goes on, and I'm, I don't want to talk about Greece, sorry, but uh, it's seven No, you're minute, fine, but, you're good. Um, so, you know the bit in the ocean waves where she's running around with Danny? So yeah. the argument was online is that um, Sandy actually died, she drowned. So that's why at the end of the movie the car flies off because it was all the last moments of her life. You know what? I have heard that now that you say yeah, that. Yeah, like playing yeah. the rest. Yeah, that that was one of the one of the fan theories. I'm like, huh, so, that makes sense. It's so deep, though, isn't it? I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Be, well, so if that's the theory, then, you know, we see Danny as just, you know, the boy next door that happens to have the greaser haircut. But in the end, he's kind of sort of morphed back into that person again. Yeah. So maybe that was him the whole time, and this whole bad boy image was part of the dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could Mind do, blown. We could do a podcast on that one next. <laughs> Just, That's right. No, my fans, my my fans, yeah, as if I have fans, the uh, the audience would probably burn me at the stake if I started talking <laughs> 70s too much. Sorry. Get a little squirrely. Sorry, that's my fault. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, we tend to, again, Robbie, we may go off onto some rabbit trails here. No. That's just kind of what we do. No so. problem. Cool. So as long as uh, long as you're okay with it, our conversation may talk about the price of chicken eventually. That's fine. My mind is like Snapchat. It's there for a second, then it disappears. So it's fine. Me too. <laughs> I think we're kindred spirits. That's I right. really do. <laughs> we're both called Rob, so it must be the name. <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. So, all right. We're going to take a, a quick break, uh, acknowledge our sponsors, and then we will be right back. And we're going to make uh, Robbie get back in the DeLorean, go back in time, and talk about growing up in England and awesome. and, and, and his life. So uh, hang tight. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to Living in the 80s. We want to take this opportunity to thank all of those that helped make this possible. First and foremost, we want to thank Anchor for providing this platform for us to share this podcast. We also want to thank... Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Tuned In Radio, and about a dozen others. We also want to give a special thank you to Star1079.com and Roundtown Radio, where you can hear this podcast weekly. Also, be sure to check us out at our website at livinginthe80s.us. 
and of course on our Facebook page, Living in the 80s. Thanks, and back to the show. Welcome back to Living in the 80s. I have got Robbie Burgess here, and we are about to embark on a journey through Robbie's Snapchat memory. So hopefully, <laughs> like if you're like me, things 40 years ago are very vivid in HD. Things that happened five minutes ago, it's grainy black and white, fading out. I don't know. It's crazy. That's true, yeah. It's exactly what I'm like. I'm terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we did a podcast with Marty McFly, um, Marty Wiseman. We call him Marty McFly. Mm-hmm. And it was really funny. Uh, we did an Australian episode. So in Australia, like they're, I think they're 12 hours difference. So we did it on, we did the podcast here. It was like Tuesday that I recorded it, but it was Wednesday, his time. Crazy. So he's talking to us from the future. <laughs> That's you, true. you are kind of doing today. You're five hours in the future. So um, you've already been to where we're going. Pretty sweet. <laughs> I mean, technically, when, so, you, when you go to sleep every night, you time travel because you wake up in a different time and place, don't you? So it's kind of... <laughs> boom, I guess you do. Yeah. No recollection of what happened in the middle. There you go. I like it. <laughs> I like it. So, Robbie, first of all, what I'm interested in, just because, and we talked before we mm-hmm. uh, started recording here, England's one of those places that's always fascinated me. Like from a kid, you know, uh, again... I didn't hear the Beatles until after they had already broken up. You know, they broke up when I was four years old. So, you know, if my parents listening to, you know, 70s, 60s country music at that time, like I would have had no exposure. I didn't have any exposure to some of the really cool music until I was, you know, a teenager. But talk to me, uh, talk to us, I'm sorry, about what, you know, how does school work? Like what, what year did you start? And we call it elementary school, like the very beginning years of school. And then, you know, becomes middle school. And then high school is our last thing before, you know, we can go off to college or university or whatever. But um, talk to me about how that works over there. So I I was four in 1980 because I was born in 76. So um, I remember bits of like, like yourselves, we have the three grades of school. So we have primary, senior and junior. I did that in reverse, sorry. That's <laughs> junior, primary, senior. Um, I, I remember bits of it. I remember, um, like, music's always been a thing in my life. Always music's a thing. And I remember I had to play an xylophone for um, school. And I was playing it when I was probably, what would I have been then, six or seven. And we had to do a concert and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I remember the woman that was teaching us. She was about 90 at the time. And... Uh, we had to sort of just play this song and then I, for some reason, all I had to do was carry on playing when everyone else stopped and I could not get that through my head. <laughs> I remember she was so cross about it. And I was just like, but everybody else has stopped. Why would I not stop? <laughs> so I suppose I was about six or seven then and she's going, no, you have to carry on. I was like, but you're playing the piano and I'm playing the xylophone. You won't even hear it, you know, because I was playing the low end of the xylophone. <laughs> So even back then, I, like I love, I've always loved sound and frequencies, and you know I'm always googling, you know, weird, like internet radio shows that have gone strange and things like that. So I've always been fascinated by sound. So even back then, I knew when I was a kid, like you're not going to hear it because it's it's too low in the frequencies, <laughs> like you know. And uh, I remember that, and then like I kind of got like I've got a jumpy memory, so I remember bits, and then I remember the first time I started senior school when I was um, twelve. I remember that. 
um, because my my dad was a, a musician. He was a country and western musician, um, and he played in a country band his entire life. He never went to America. Funny enough, he never went to the states. But wow. but um, so he's so he was a drummer, and his lead guitar and singer um, son he went to the school I was going to, and I remember he met me the first day at the gates. Um, and, uh, you know, kids are kids. And he sort of said to his mates, this one's with me, <laughs> you know, don't bully him. Don't pick on him. I'll like, knock you out. You know, they kind of like, Not what you know, it's who you know, right? Exactly that. Yeah. And he's kind of like, he's with me. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I remember we went in and, uh, it was, it was cool. So I've only got like bits of memories of school. Um, I, I'm school was all right. You know, I, I kind of enjoyed school. What's interesting getting older is I've always had trouble with, spelling and I've always had trouble with numbers it's like soup to me like you know when if you said to me what's 11 times 15 I cannot work that out I cannot see it in my head or anything like that um and years later I went to university when I was 27 and I got a degree when I was 30 um and following that it's only recently someone said to me well you're probably dyslexic Robbie so in school I, I sort of was happier in the library reading all day you know, if they said to me, go and sit in the library, read books for eight hours, I'd have gone fine. It's fine with me. And I probably would have learned more because um, my reading, my reading average was always fine. You know, it was great. My reading average is great. It's just when they said, you know, like you have spelling bees, don't you? And they go, yeah, you know, you, know, you could say spell tomorrow. I can spell tomorrow, but I'd, I'd, I wouldn't know how to do it. You know what I mean? It's that sort of thing. And it's, you know, I don't think schools are right for some people. I really don't. I think there should be special places where if people just want to read books in libraries, they can, because <laughs> that's where I would have gone. You know, it's a perfect utopia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, but like they say, you know, a monkey can't breathe underwater and a fish can't climb a tree. So it's whatever your surroundings are should suit what someone's doing. Uh, but yeah, my school years were pretty good. I made a lot of friends. I had a great time, and uh, I can still remember. It would have been nineteen ninety four September. I remember the last minute of my, my schooling, and I remember looking at the clock, and it was going round. And I remember once it gets to four o'clock, I've never got to do this again. It was one of those really crazy <laughs> things. And I was in, his name was Mister Kemp. He was our maths teacher, and I was sitting there thinking, I don't even know why I'm doing maths at the minute because it doesn't matter in about a minute and a half. <laughs> you That's know, right. he set these tasks out. We're all doing. It. We think, what, what kind of teacher is going to make you keep working the last minute of your school career? You would think you know what he's been doing this for 12 years or whatever let's just let him coast the last hour it just reminds me of pink floyd the wall you know like you're kind of you're me all that sort of stuff you've got to work to the last minute or you're nobody (laughs) it's that kind of thing you know how can you have any pudding if you don't eat your meat (laughs) that's exactly what it's like you know keep them busy till four o'clock they should have just sent us home you know should have sent us home yeah but, hey, if I was your teacher, I would have. <laughs> You've earned it. You're out. Peace. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah. I mean, it was, it was great. If you, yeah. All I remember about the, the summers were like the eighties was, it was always sunny. It seemed to always be sunny. I, I don't know if that's being a child or whatever, or having that. Cause we were walking on sunshine. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Was it. I don't know if it's that sort of, you know, rose tinted world, but it was always seems to be sunny and it always seemed to be a lot of fun, you know, but then again, you know, we, we I weren't paying bills. I didn't own a house. I didn't. <laughs> Or <laughs> the stuff that gets you in the ass later on, you know, it's that sort of stuff. Oh yeah. So I'm I'm looking at these because uh, you know we're 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 via Zoom here, mm-hmm. the magic of technology, and I see these guitars on the wall behind you. Yeah. What, what's up with those? Um, well, I used to be a drummer like my dad for a while, and then um, I, I, I stopped playing drums, and I just decided I wanted to play something else, um, something to tinkle on. So I've got um, I'm left-handed, so they're left-handed guitars. Um, and then there's a piano behind me as well. Um, okay. For the people that can't see it though, but on the top right there, there's a, a special guitar, um, which is like a Hofner, which was bought in 1967 by my dad. 
Um, and he had it for 40 years um, and he had it on top of a wardrobe. So this was a lovely guitar. Um, Paul McCartney had a Hoffner, so I think that's why he bought it. And then one day he moved his cupboard and he dropped it and snapped the neck. Um, so it's completely unplayable, (laughs) but it's a lovely decoration is what it is. You know, if, um, if people, sorry, go on. I was going to say, any musical instrument to me would be a decoration because I can't, like I love music and I've got a, a photographic memory, like as far as, you know, when a song came out, what label it was on, all that kind of stuff, but to play it or sing it. Mm. I got nothing. If if people want to find out what it looks like, because we're just trying to describe it, if you imagine um, people, if people Google um, Stu Sutcliffe in Hamburg with the Beatles, with the bass he held, it's very similar to that. It looks very oh, yeah. similar. Yeah. Which looks upside down for us because it's on the opposite side. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a very similar shape to that and very sort of, it's got the air holes on it that look like an F and stuff like that. So, but yeah, I've got the piano as well. But I do a lot of, um, as well as doing the podcasting, I do some work with some amateur ra- uh, radio drama groups. Um, okay. so they basically come around the house and then we record the audio dramas and then I do all the sound effects and stuff. So I tend to use the guitars, uh, like I've got an electric and acoustic there really for sound effects a lot of the time. So if I need a creepy sound, I'll get the electric guitar, plug it in, drag a coin down one of the strings for argument's sake, and then put lots of echo and reverb and then lower it by like four t- tones to give it a sort of, sort of drone kind of sound. So sometimes if you can't find a sound, it's better trying to make it yourself. So that's really what they're all about. It's just, um, you know, practical uses for me to make audio drama sound effects. <laughs> oh, neat, neat. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. So let's talk now about like what you did for fun when you were like in the 80s. Because I know you said everything was sunny and sunshine and stuff. But like for here, like, you know, we might go cruising in our cars up and down, you know, different roads in smaller towns or, you know, we'll go to the movies or go bowling or Mm -hmm. skating or something. What did you guys do, you and your friend group, what did you guys do for fun uh, to like on your Friday, Saturday nights, that kind of thing? I could do it in one word if you want. Um, break dancing. <laughs> That's what it was. No way. Robbie, you were, <laughs> see, look, this, we're learning more and more. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the dance break craze coming out. And then I remember yes. you would literally go along um, skips out, fr- out the front of houses to try and find kitchen lino because that was the best thing that you could. I had a shell suit like everybody. And it was bright yellow like a banana. And I remember you would <laughs> try to find the, the lino that didn't have like glass, broken glass in it so you could do backspins and things like that on it. <laughs> nice. They, they would use uh, my brother. I wasn't much of a, I was not a break dancer at all, but my brother and his friends thought they were. Yeah. And and like the, the kids like in New York and stuff would, would get like big pieces of cardboard come from like a refrigerator box or nice. something. And they would paint that looking fancy and that's what they would do. And do you have any pictures? You've got to post some pictures on our page or something of you in your banana uniform because that would be epic. I think I've got one. I've got one picture of me wearing it and I've like, I've got hair now because I'm bald, but I've, I've got hair in it as well. I, I bet if I said like, you know, which one, oh, you know now, but I said, I bet if I said which one's me in the lineup, I didn't tell you about the shell shit. You wouldn't know which one. I look completely different. Dude, here, here's what you have to do. <laughs> Because, like, we're recording this. It's Sunday afternoon here, Sunday evening there in the UK. Like, you have to send me that picture before mm-hmm. next week. Okay. Because I, I will put that as the um, as the um, you know, the ad picture. You know, hey, click here to hear this week's podcast. I will I will use that picture. <laughs> cool, yeah. You might have to crop me some of my mates out. But, yeah, definitely, definitely. But yeah, oh, we don't need them anyway. 
<laughs> You're the real rock star. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. So, um, yeah, it was it was mainly that. Then there was a lot of um, building ramps and jumping them with bikes, that kind of thing. So, because I, I, by the time we had cars, it was like the 90s for me. So, but the tail end of it, there was a lot of, um, you know, like riding bikes and break dancing and things like that. And then uh, we went through a phase, me and my friends, of miming as a band. As, I remember this as well. So, did you, um, do, you have, do you have Weetabix out there in America, the cereal? The breakfast cereal, Weetabix. Uh, no, never heard of it. So it's, it was, it's massive, isn't it? we still got it. It's massive. It's basically like, do you have shreddies in America? We have shredded wheat. Okay. So uh, it's the same thing. frosted shredded wheat, too. Yeah. Frost, frosted mini weeks. I think probably sounds like about the same, little chunks of wheat. Right. If you imagine one of those, but about, I don't know, four inches long and two inches wide, that's what Weetabix was and about an inch thick. So it's basically a massive shredded wheat. And then they had these uh, characters that came out that were called Dunk and Milk. and all the, Anyway, so every now and again, they do these special offers and that come with the Weetabix. And there was a cassette tape, and I remember it was yellow. It was always yellow, bright yellow. And it had like seven tracks on it. Oh, I think it was seven or eight tracks. And me and my friends decided to mime to those tracks all day every day and we even drew out a keyboard for my friend to play <laughs> no kidding yeah on bits of card so, yeah do you have any video evidence of this oh no fortunately this is way before video and uh, like oh, home videos man. and stuff like that but you know there was always a fight for the lead singer there was always a fight for that female or non-female there's always a row about who was the female <laughs> you know one of us was always you know i was always happy being the bass player i don't know why i was always happy standing at the back minding my own business but i remember the track on the tracks on it were down down under by men at work that was one of them yeah. shalimar night to remember and gino by dexy's midnight runners they were the three i really remember that were on it um, I think they're the ones we just played the most, probably. We just kept skipping them back and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was breakdancing, jumping things on our bikes or pretending to be a band. And that's basically, that was our entertainment. <laughs> we were, that you sounds know, like fun. I came from a from a town that was really poor, you know. Yeah, we had we had mm-hmm. nothing. So if you can make a stick into a machine gun, that's what you did. You know, it's that kind of, that kind of thing. Nice. So, you know. So did, so did you guys, I know, like, uh, once school is done here, prior to graduation, we would have proms, you know, pretty in pink. That was a, yeah. Did you guys have any kind of dances or anything like that at school or was that ever any? No, we didn't. I mean, funny enough, my girlfriend, she's 33. She's younger than me and she had a prom. They have them now. But um, when we didn't, all we had was Roman day, (laughs) which was, um, we celebrated the Romans invading England once. I remember there was a party for that and you had to dress up in a bed sheet as a toga and walk around and pretend to hit your mates with cardboard swords. So I remember that one. And I remember we had the, um, the Royal wedding with Charles and Diana. That was one. Oh yes. Yes. Um, And they were the only two real big, things that i remember being as a, an event in england oh when fergie got married what was her name fergie and she married somebody was that prince andrew yeah. that was another one wasn't it? yeah so there was a few royal weddings but in england they don't really do proms you kind of just um it's a bit of a confusing time as far, for, from when i did it i don't know if it's different now but you kind of like i said i remember the last minute and then it and it, it bounced up to the four o'clock and they were like that's it you're done you don't have to come to school ever again and you kind of go yeah with your mates and we all signed each other shirts you know um, okay. and then, um, and then you, you have a chat and then you sort of go home and then you kind of go, now what, now what do I do? I don't know what's next. They don't sort of <laughs> say, you know, when you, leave. you do a test, um, in school, I don't know if they're in America where they go, you know, when you leave, you'll probably be good at this kind of thing. Right. And, uh, mine said, um, I'll probably be good doing creative work or something in the arts. It was something like that. And I was like in the town where we lived, it was like, there's nowhere to do that. But 
it's one of those really crazy things. Like uh, when I lived where I lived, I lived 14 miles from central London, like literally 14 miles away. Um, and I never went there. I never went to London. And then I oh. live, now I live um, in um, Kent, near Canterbury. I'm 50 miles away. I'm always in London. So I had the perfect <laughs> opportunity growing up to go to London to find the BBC. You know, like you, you listen to autobiographies or you see programs and they go, I wrote a letter to the BBC and they gave me a job and I started as a runner and I worked my way up and now I'm a TV presenter and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, or, or you go to Hollywood, you wait tables, you know, you work for your acting change. Da, da, da. It right. When it, we were around, they didn't give you any advice. They didn't say, look, you know, you'd be really good at this. So why don't you write to this company and see you know, what they offer you. Even if you work for free for a couple of months, you know, you might find that's what you want to do. There's none of that. They kind of just go, that's that, see ya. And then you kind of get a letter saying, hey, you're going to be really good at this thing, so good luck with that. See ya. Yeah, that's pretty much what it's like. And then, you know, my mum said, you know, do you want to go to college? And I was like, what's that then? So it's like more school. I was like, do you want me to go, mum? She's like, well, if you you wouldn't mind. (laughs) I was like, okay. So then I went to college and it was only really in college I got, what you're doing the grades for if that makes any sense because in school it was kind of like me and my mates were just separated for about you know two hours at a time doing PE in our in our pants if you forgot your shorts and stuff like that and then mm-hmm. we'd hang out in the break break time and then you go for oh I've got to go and do these maths thing now and then you would just hang out with your mates later on so it seemed to me it was just breaking your day up between hanging out with your mates rather than you're supposed to be learning stuff for the future there was no sort of like <laughs> you know, no chain to it. But yeah, I mean, once I got to college, I really understood what things were about and why you were learning things. But yet again, it was the same thing. When you left college, it was kind of like, okay, well, that's that done then. There was no sort of like, you know, you might want to do this. I did drama in college and I really enjoyed that. That that was really, really good. I had a te- teacher that was obsessed with Shakespeare. I can't stand Shakespeare. I'm going to, yeah. people, people are going to go mad. I think he's amazingly overrated. I think he's just dull and boring. It's, it's, it's boring to me. Yeah. Like, yeah. okay. We've got this thing here locally uh, a friend of mine wanted me to go to with him the other night. It's like Shakespeare in the park. Right. There's a, there's a park in uh, a local park here and they'll have this, you know, local community theater and they'll do this thing. And, and I'm just like, that has zero appeal to me. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Like I just found it was, it's pretentious rubbish. It's all sort of like, you know, like, Oh, I love the globe in London. All this sort of nonsense. You're like, yeah, it's all right. It's just, <laughs> it's, just an old, it's just an old theater, you know, it's just, yeah. So Yeah. School, yeah, we didn't have proms. Going back to what you talked about, sorry, I went off on a tangent again. Um, yeah, we did. We didn't have proms at all or anything like that. But like I say, my my girlfriend, she's she's thirty three. She's younger than me, and they had a prom. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's one of those things where I don't understand what a prom is. Is it to basically lose your virginity? Is that what it's for? <laughs> According to the movies, it is. Yeah. So so basically, the prom is something you look forward to. Again, I think Hollywood over romanticizes it a bit, but. Uh, basically, it, well, we have different school dances throughout the year where people will sometimes dress up, depending on the dance. You know, sometimes they'll dress up, sometimes they won't. But the senior prom, the end of your last year of high school, right? usually about a month before graduation, it's a formal event. You know, we'll rent tuxedos. The girls will have, like, nice evening gowns or whatever, mm-hmm. which has evolved to, hey, let's – get a limo like you go out to a nice dinner and then you go to the school or to some other facility right and you know, and there's dancing it's not you know it's it's sort of like if you so you've seen pretty in pink right yeah so it's sort of like that but not quite as elaborate that's like hollywood version of prom so right it's uh it, it's 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 more like footloose okay that's 
kind of more what our proms are like. So there's a little slow dancing, fast dancing, fights in the parking lot, throwing dirt at people. No, actually, that's not <laughs> but you know, it's uh, it's it's sort of like that here. But, it's funny. My yeah. my uh, my best friend, he's from New York. Um, uh-huh. He's from New Jersey. And sometimes I'll text it. I'll watch a film and I'll be like, what does this mean? Like, like Tribeca. I didn't know what that was. I was like, what's a Tribeca? And he has to explain it to me. Like, <laughs> what does this mean? Like when I, when I watch a film from the eighties or the seventies, where they've used some colloquialism from back then, that doesn't probably mean anything now. I go, what is this? Right. And he, he texts this long, big text about, I was like, I'll just ask you when I see you. <laughs> it's quicker. You know, I missed half the film reading the text. You know? By the time you're done texting all that, I'll probably see you. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. So, so the, the last part about the growing up, the school experience and stuff mm-hmm. like that, class reunions, like do you like get together with, you know, old friends like every few years and like kind they, of reminisce or anything? They have, they've had them, but I've not gone. Um, okay. Only because I just think some things are better off, better where they are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's, oh, I'm going to sound like a snob now. But I think unless you can brag about what you've done, there's no point. <laughs> well, you know what? It's funny because I've got friends that, that hold that same viewpoint. I can really? see it. You know what? That was me back when. That's not even me now or whatever. On the other hand, there's the whole like, hey, these are people that, you know, I haven't seen. I don't see all the time. It's kind of good to catch up to where they are because at one time they were part of my life. Yeah. But but I've got my one friend, uh, Kevin. He, he will, not Kevin that hosts a podcast with me, a different Kevin. Mm. He'll be like, I really don't care. <laughs> I agree with Kevin. I agree with Kevin. The thing is, it's if you go and see people, you've got about five minutes of talking and then after that you're done. You know, once yeah. a, you know, so what do you do for the rest of the evening? So I thought it's it's better. It was really sweet. Um they did a, a there was this thing on Facebook years ago and it was like an online survey of the class or something like that. And people mm-hmm. voted whatever they want. And I got voted the most funniest. I remember that was very sweet of everybody. But it's like, but I thought I'm still not going. <laughs> it hasn't changed anything. But you know, Here's my last joke. I'm not going. <laughs> you see, yeah. But it's one of those things where you kind of just think, I don't know what benefit I would get from seeing people older, you know. And then you know, sometimes it's better to people for people to remember how you were rather than how you are now. Yeah, I, I think Even they died. Sorry? I remember them how they were. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's like you know, I'm a, I'm probably more rounded out now now I'm 46 Uh than I was when I was 16 years old so you know it's one of the things where I understand who I am what I'm doing what I like and what I don't like I've got no patience anymore I've discovered that as I've got older I don't care for things if I don't want to do it it's dead to me I'm not interested whereas when I was 16 I do things to keep people happy and um, I just don't know what a reunion would do. I mean, so, fortunately for me, some of my friends that I went to school with are still my friends. So yeah. you know, they're, they're around. But if it was like, you know, do you want to go and see like, you know, your first girlfriend from high school? You'd be like, well, I don't know if I want to do that because I've got a memory of what she was like. And if I met her now, I might not like her. <laughs> you kind of That's think. Right. Or, or you might like her too much. And <laughs> really upset with you. It'd be a whole other can of worms. Oh, I don't know. My girlfriend's but, lovely. So. <laughs> you, you kind of sound like Kevin. Cause he'll say, Say, well, all the people that I've wanted to stay in touch with, I have. Oh, no, I agree. I've, I, yeah, I'm, I'm one of the people that I don't look backwards. So, you know, me and you as, and our friends, as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, it's, it's, I'd rather move forward and make new friends than meet the old ones that were just there, you know, 30 odd years ago that don't mean anything anymore. I'd rather make new friends and expand the world. You know, like yeah. going back to the 80s, if this was 1985 now, would me and you be sitting in our rooms talking to each other via computer and looking at each other in the face? Of course not. It would yeah. be a mega expensive phone call. You know what I mean? 
sure would. So that's why I'm <laughs> more, works. yeah, that's why I'm more interested in talking to new people and meeting new people and making new friends than, you know, the ones that fell away in the way. If someone wants to be your friend, they'll be there. If they're not, they disappear. And that's why I think, what's the point in a reunion, you know? I like it. That's, so. you know, that, that is, uh, that's very, um, not, I don't want to say insightful, but prophetic. No, not even that. It's very, it's good. It's good. They should we'll, carve we'll it on a toilet it. seat. <laughs> right. There we go. We'll do that. So, all right. So um, thinking back to, you know, getting back to who you were in the 80s and so forth. Yeah. Like what, are there any like 80s era movies that still resonate with you today that you're a fan of? Yeah. I mean, this is Spinal Tap. It's probably the greatest film ever made to me it's pretty great it's it's brilliant it's one of those things where i found it really funny as a kid and then i grow up and became a musician and found it even funnier so it does work on two levels but i remember in england like you had videotapes and things were you know copied and burned and things like that and my mum's sure. friend we used to go around and see her all the time and she had um three films she had the jerk she had um, blazing saddles she had and the man with two brains she had those three films so whenever we were in there, I'd watch those three. Uh, and then Spinal Tap, I watched on my own. And then Naked Gun came along, an aeroplane came along in my life. And then, you know, I never looked back. I just think Naked Gun, Leslie Nielsen was probably the greatest comedic actor of his time and no one's really recognised him for it. I just think yeah. he's absolutely incredible in those. And then I like Fright Night, the horror movie. I think Fright Night's a brilliant yeah. film. And uh, Batman 89 is the best one ever made as well. Um, so a lot of stuff came along and I was, I was just enthralled in it. I know Blazing Saddles is a 70s movie, but um, it's just one of those things where, you know, like I was watching The Jerk when I was, you know, like seven years old. And that American, it's really weird. Like I had an American comedy sensibility rather than an English one because it was all American comedy films. It wasn't English ones because there wasn't any. You know, it was, which, which really surprises me just like I, hearing you talk because you're, you're listing all these American films that we all know and love. Mm. Like The Jerk is like the least British humor type movie <laughs> that you could probably come up with. It's just absurd, stupid stuff. It's brilliant. Like Steve Martin is a still a genius. <laughs> and uh, just, that, that's just funny. So there, there weren't a lot of British comedy. Like uh, uh, when I think of British comedy, the first thing that comes to mind is Monty Python. That's it. That's it. So we had, really, we had the two Python films, which were in the 70s. And then Mm -hmm. you had a film called Clockwise with John Cleese in 1985. And then you've pretty much got nothing. You know, you've got nothing. So it's, there was, there was no British film. Oh, yeah, Time Bandits and stuff like that, Brazil. But that was more surrealism rather than, um, than comedy. But again, with Steve Martin, he was a huge Python fan. So it's that synergy between the two again. But my favourite line Someone says to me, what's your favourite film line of all time? And I said, it has to be in Man With Two Brains when they knock on the door and say, can I borrow your battery ram? And they say, we return it. I think <laughs> that's just the most absurd <laughs> stuff. That's like the best comedy line because it makes absolutely no sense at all. In, at all. In that, it, like, it's perfect in that film and there's no reason for it to be there. That's why I think it's just genius. Um, but yeah, I mean, like Naked Gun, all that really visual comedy is brilliant as well. And that's where America really took off when you had your aeroplanes and your Naked Guns because Python didn't go down that road and nobody in England really did. You know, they really, really, America took that and run with it and you did an amazing job with it. And then later on, you got the hot shots and stuff like that. It wasn't as good, yeah. to be fair, but you had your yeah. Naked Guns, your aeroplanes, Top Secret, which is just probably the best of all of those. They were trying to milk that formula all they could to the point yeah. they saturated it yeah. after a while. I mean, Top yeah. Secret, I think, is the best one. If you said to me at the Zucker Brothers, what's the best? Top Secret would be the, with, um, what's his name, Val Kilmer. 
that one yes. and that's got an English American crossover funny enough but yeah it was mainly American films that I watched a lot as a kid because like I say there wasn't any there wasn't any um, English films really I mean I'm really thinking but I can't think of any English films that I would, I would say Pink Panther but they were in the 70s again so they're not yeah yeah I mean Peter Sellers being amazing as well but yeah there wasn't really any there really was, there was no real I mean George Harrison formed um, Handmade Films and then he because he wanted to make Python then he then like I say he brought out Time Bandits um, and he bought, uh, I think it was Goodbye, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. I think that was what it is. So there was a lot of dramas, but there wasn't any comedy. They, they were kind of frightened of it. I suppose if it failed, they would lose a lot of money. So they didn't really, they didn't, but yeah, it's all American films for me always. And I, you know, those films I've listed, I'll, you know, they're just amazing. They're amazing. Spinal Tap is, you can put that on now and I will laugh like the first time I've seen it. It's just brilliant. And I've seen them live twice as well. I got to see them in concert. So oh, oh wow. Yeah. I heard they're, they're doing a follow up movie. Oh, I can't wait. But you I, know. I, I'd heard that recently. It's just the, the Spinal Tap, if we could talk about that for one second, it's just the history that they created for it. And, mm-hmm. you know, even when they did the... Um, so I saw them live at the Royal Albert in 1992, and then they brought out the um, documentary uh, again in the 90s that was following up from that. And they said they were from a place called Squatney. <laughs> now, that really <laughs> does sound like an English town, I've got to be honest. And they went to a pub called The Queen's Lips. Now, all this stuff is really believable if you're English. <laughs> Yeah, because they they get it so right. I and, wondered because because you know being an American film, yeah, like I always kind of wonder like, well, what do the Brits think of this? Yeah, you know, you know, if you've seen that film and you're an English person and you get it, you have to get it. It's brilliant. It's just the work of pure genius. The background is pure genius. The acting's brilliant. The, the I mean, their accents are amazing. You would like even yeah. I couldn't tell they weren't the only one that does it as well as them. Is, is it Gary Cruels who's in the um, Princess's Bride? You know, the, yes, the blonde guy. Yeah, he's those uh, those actors like Harry Shearer, Mark McKean, and that, and um, those guys, and him are the only ones that can do the British accent so well. You can't tell they're not English. They really, really, really get it. So, is Carrie Yule's not British? No, he's born in California. I think. He's no Cal- kidding. Yeah, I'm sure he's Californian or something like that. Yeah, you might have to have a Google, but because yeah. like I don't. Do, do you guys uh, have you ever seen the show Psych? Uh, I've heard of it. I've not seen it though. Yeah. So if you get a chance, you got to watch it. It's these two guys, they have this detective agency in California, and one of them portrays a psychic, but he really has photographic memory. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got all these people convinced he's a psychic. And Carrie Ewells was one of, one of the um, one of the criminals on there who had a recurring role because – you know, they just loved him. Yeah. And he, you know, he probably did a half dozen or more episodes, but he always had that British accent. Yeah. So with that and uh, Princess Bride, like I just assumed he was British. No, he's not. But he's, the thing is with the British accent, people tend like um, overdo it too much. And you do get the Dick Van Dyke version of, you know, what, the, the accent where those guys are so subtle with it. You can never tell they're not English. They're amazing. Absolutely amazing. But, That's um, great. And wait, I know, and I know they they've always tried to do the accent like me. Yeah. <laughs> I think you need to over. Did you see Moon Knight? By the way, that's been on recently. Uh, no, I've I've seen it on there. If not, I've not actually seen it. Oh, by the way, Carrie Ewells, mm-hmm. uh, born in Westminster. What London? Yeah. Oh, was so, he? I guess Really is legit. Oh, I thought he was American. <laughs> when did I read he was on oh, Wikipedia or something? Maybe somebody it. lied to you. I mean, Wikipedia is where I got this from, so maybe somebody could have <laughs> changed it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I've changed things on Wikipedia before. <laughs> I've seen people mess up. I'm like, nah, that's not how it happened. <laughs> but yeah, in uh, Moon Knight, is it Oscar Isaacs? Is that his name? He does an English accent that's just horrendous. 
But um, it was kind of one of those things where they did a really good thing with it because it was so bad that he got trolled. And then it turns out that's because his alter ego was thought he was British. And it was kind of <laughs> like, all right, I get that. That's really clever, actually. <laughs> so um, television shows. Yeah. Uh, are there any 80s TV shows that you watched back, you know, back in the day or that, you know, have resonated with you today that that are noteworthy? Yeah. And there's, I'm not sure if it made it to the America, the young ones. Did you have that in America? Uh, yeah, it was more of a cult following here, but yes. I mean, that, I've seen that so many times, I can't count. It's just, that to me was just the best telly because it was so, uh, like, originally when they made it, um, they, they basically, if they put music in it, they got a variety license, so they got more money for the show, which is why you've got the bands in it. So right. you, you've got everything. You've got, like, you've got music, you've got comedy, you've got anarchy, you've got surrealism, and it's just, you know, and everyone's been a student at some point, if you're at school or not. So yeah. it's one of those things where it was just so bizarre and irrelevant. It was just like bits in it were completely irrelevant on purpose. And that's the bit that you think that is just pure genius. They tried to make it in America and it was called, oh, oh no, not them again, apparently. And they made one episode, but you can't get your hands on it. I'd love to see it. And they, they only kept Neil, who was the guy with the, the hippie. And they changed all the others. Um, and I'd love to see the American version of that. And if it would have worked, I don't think it would because it was so British. I don't think it would, it would work very well. Which is why I think it, it had the cult following that it did here. Yeah. Because because British humor, even though like I get it and a lot of people get it, it just kind of doesn't come across. It doesn't translate quite as much, which is why I think, you know, it, Monty Python's the same thing. Like yeah. I find it funny, but not, hilarious funny like oh okay i get it yeah and people go well you just don't get british humor what well, i get it and just don't find <laughs> it very funny <laughs> i mean but you know this I'm, I'm sure the same would be said for the crude irreverent american humor from yeah people. true i was a big um cartoon guy because obviously i was uh, like even now I watch cartoons i don't care but i, I was he-man was a big one for me i used to watch he-man yeah. all the time and I mean, Skeletor was probably the greatest TV villain ever. He's never been recognised as a brilliant TV villain because he's just, he don't care about anything than killing He-Man and getting Castle Grayskull. That's literally his motivation. He doesn't have a change of heart. He doesn't care about anything. He just wants those two things and that's it. And you've got to remind that determination for a man with no face. He just constantly just, you know, he just didn't He wakes care. up in the morning, stretches like, God, I'm going to kill He-Man today. <laughs> so, yeah, and I'm going to have that Castle Grayskull. And then um, what I remember in England, um, if anything was a bit too uh, violent or racy, it was on late. But I remember I used to stay up to about half 11 on a Friday night because school was done on a Friday. And I watched um, Tour of Duty, you know, the Vietnam, that was on, on Friday nights. And that was yeah. that was really good. And like, my stepdad loved that. And he, I bought him a box set for Christmas two years ago and he's just finished the marathon in that out. So oh, it was wow. it, it was a real mix of like anarchy, cartoons and Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what I mainly remember about telly. We had a really good um, um, thing on telly around 87, Halloween, and it was called Ghost Watch. I don't know if you've ever heard of this one. No. Um, and it was a, basically what they did was is they didn't tell anybody. It was the first kind of live interactive TV program there was in England. And they, it, so it's Halloween and it was on nine o'clock. And the idea was is they were going to do a live uh, ghost hunt at this haunted, supposedly haunted house. So they go there and they set up the cameras. And um, there was in England, there was a haunting called the Enfield Haunting where these two girls were getting thrown across the room and there was all these noises. And I think it's, um, what's it called? Uh, the Nun 2 based their story on it. It's one of those films like The Nun or Insidious based the story on it. Very similar. 
Um, anyway, so Ghostwatch was on and we watched it at night. And the idea was they were going around this house. And at one point you saw someone in the background and people were genuinely phoning in going, you've just missed that. There's someone in the background and all this sort of stuff. Um, and then at the end of it, it became so bizarre that they realised it was a hoax. And then I remember watching that in 87. So, you know, I was probably nine or ten. And I was absolutely terrified of it because I thought I'd seen a live ghost on telly. Um, and then the next day it came out as it was a, it was like not a prank, but it was like live interactive telly and they didn't tell anybody. And it, it was just absolutely amazing. And th- that and Live Aid are the two big telly events I do remember watching. I remember my mum had Live Aid on all day long. And I remember it was, it was, it was boiling hot and the music was just pumping out all day. And I remember, you know, because me and my mum, we were a single parent family. So obviously I lived with my mum. So we, I remember she had the music on all day and she was dancing around in the living room and had Masonette. And the, and the sun was shining. It was really hot and it was just a really good day. So I remember lots of music and being scared. They're the two main big things I remember about. <laughs> lots of music and being scared. Yeah. And yeah the, the American humour that warped your mind. That's right, yeah. Until the 90s when we had a programme called The Word that came mm-hmm. out. And that was basically Anarchy Telly and L7. I don't remember the grunge band L7. And they did something on telly. I'm not going to tell you what that is. You can Google that one. But um, that was outrageous. But uh, yeah, so I remember Live Aid being on. Um, I've got a, a brief memory of my mum being upset when Len, John Lennon was killed. I remember that. Mm. She was re- I remember she was really sad. I remember hearing Imagine all day. And I was only four or five, but I do remember hearing like John Lennon's voice a lot. And I remember my mum being really sad. So that must have been 80. I remember that as well. So yeah, so it's just, I mean, British telly has always been really good. It kind of evolved itself and it pushed the boundaries every single time. Not the same with Ghost Watch and various other programs. And it really, really pushed the boundaries. And um, it's good. It's good. I mean, I don't watch telly now. I don't about yourself, but telly now is not what it was. And I just think you, you, you have a golden net period of every part, you have music and you have telly and you have, you know, film or whatever. And I think eighties telly was the golden peak of telly. I think there was so much stuff. Um, I mean, being a kid, you know, I mean, 18 manimal, you know, all these sorts of things were on that were just blew your mind when you were just, you know, 10 and 11, um, and things out, oh, um, MacGyver, things like the Equalizer, all these programs that were on that were just all American again, you know, all American. There wasn't a lot of British telly. We, we met in England in the eighties, we mainly had breakfast telly as in like a Saturday morning show. And then the yeah. rest of it was sort of a team and bits and bobs like that. They, that was always on about five o'clock in the afternoon. You'd have a team on and then maybe, um, MacGyver would be on after, and then you had a bit of quantum leap. Uh, and then you had um, Next Generation, Star Trek, that was always on as well. So in England, they would give you a good you know, three or four hours of stuff um, to watch. And I don't know if that was designed to keep the kids busy. I don't know if that was like, you know, you sit and watch that and your parents can do what they want for, for two hours. You know, it's that, that kind the of thing. ratings are up because the parents are just done with the kids. That's like, right, here, yeah. <laughs> I hear MacGyver's on. Go watch that. <laughs> And all that sort of stuff, you know. What I love about 80s telling now is when you, when you like, I went through this this period about a year ago where I was finding all these things and rewatching them. So I got the 18 box set and stuff like that. And then, you know, now I see the ramp, you know, at the start in the intro when the, the, the van flips over, it hits a ramp hidden behind a really rubbish bush. <laughs> you know, and, and everybody got shot out and nobody died. You know, like that sort oh, yeah. Of, 75 bullets and nobody gets hit. Uh, yeah. So it's amazing when you look back at it, you know, you can see the magic you know, the, it kind of kills the magic and it kind of doesn't. Yet again, it's going back to the school reunion. It's the same thing to me. If you go back and look at it. So maybe I shouldn't watch these programs now because it might kill it for me. 
You know, it's, well, you know, <laughs> I tell you what, what's funny to me and I, and I still will watch it every time, you know, I've got the box set of this one too, is, is the 1966 Batman series. Oh, fantastic. I've got that. It's fantastic. It's like when I started watching that, I was probably seven or eight years old. It was already have it had already gone through its run, but like it would be on and then you'd have to, the cliffhanger for the next night. Like, yeah. I'm like, Oh my gosh, Robin could really die. <laughs> And, and it's now I'll look at it and just like, oh, my gosh, this is hokey and cheesy. And my goodness, I love it as much as I did when I was a kid. <laughs> Do you remember so, the yeah. one where they tied him in the human knot? Do you remember that one? And it was yes. like, Robin, if you wiggle your ears and I move my ankle, will I look? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Garbage. And you're thinking, oh, they can really do that. <laughs> and every gadget Batman needed, he it's- had on him. It it shark repellent. <laughs> Need a bat shark repellent? I got it. I knew I was going to be in the ocean today and. Yeah. I just figured I should be prepared. So, yeah. I'll great. tell you what was big at the end of the 80s and the start of the 90s was the monkeys. They rerun the monkeys over here. And that oh, was, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was really they big. A, so, they had a resurgence here in 86 where they um, they, they had they had a greatest hits album and they had like two or three, you know, new songs on there. And yeah. uh, that was then This Is Now became a hit. And they started on MTV, they started rerunning monkeys episodes. Yeah. So these you know, teenagers or even like, I remember as a kid watching it, but um, yeah, had a huge resurgence, which is really, was really surprising to me. Cause as a kid, I loved them. Yeah. As a teenager, I thought, Oh yes. Who I liked as a kid. Why are they suddenly popular now? I say, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Batman one for us was uh, your 66 one. They run that in the morning. So you mm-hmm. get, you get up at seven, seven AM to go to school and they put it on between um, half seven and eight. Mm-hmm. So every day you watch an episode, then you go to, as you walk into school, you meet your mates and go, did you watch Batman this morning? And like, yeah, what's that enough out? <laughs> you know, but it's, I know what you mean. Once you, the exception to the rule is Columbo. If you watch Columbo now, Columbo's amazing still. Columbo's, oh, yeah. that's the only exception to the rule. If you watch the 70s, 80s, whichever ones you want, they're still incredible. So, and Murder, She Wrote, that was big for us over here as well. Really? That was always yeah. considered like an old person's show here. That was a Saturday afternoon prime time for us. That was six o'clock yeah. when yeah. It was like it was like Sunday evening after like sixty minutes kind of a show. Sixty minutes is a new show. Yeah. Uh after that would be like murder she wrote, and it's usually the older older people would watch it. The young people just completely dismiss <laughs> it. Like, oh not was, there a, was there ever one when it came on you just switched it off, you didn't give it any time of day? Was there anything you just went, No, I'm not watching that? Even from- well, well, back then the, the way the cable was set up, like you know, you had um, you, know, you, you got like you know, sixty channels or whatever in the eighties to choose from, and like if if like you can get like the show as it originally aired, mm. but then they would go into syndication later, where you know they would also you know not only would they be in prime time at like eight o'clock, but you could see older like reruns like you know four or five o'clock on certain. Right channels so you could always you could always find stuff like friends like today you can watch friends anytime night or day That's on right. some <laughs> it's on so <laughs> i love it all right so um we're going to shift gears here just a bit <laughs> yeah and talk about my favorite part of the 80s was the music cool music movies it's all good love it love it love reminiscing about it love mm-hmm. talk about the hangouts the proms and stuff the music. So what kind of music were you into back then? I was kind of out of step with everybody. I've got to be honest. Um, so remember I said I was a single parent family. Well, my, my dad used to pick me up at the weekends 
Um, so I'd be Monday to Friday being my mum's and then Friday night to Saturday, Sunday night, Monday morning, I'd be with my dad. Um, and he lived about 30 miles from where we were living. So he would pick me up um, and every every time he said, we had some cassettes. He, he always played cassettes. He was an, like, I'm a massive record collector like my dad is. It's probably his fault to be fair. So he would go, oh, and he put cassettes in. And I remember he had, um, I'll tell you it in a story. It's an easy way of doing it. So we in school, we had to sit there and count cars. Do you ever do that where you go, how many blue cars go past in an hour and how many reds yeah. and all this sort of stuff? <laughs> so I got two cassettes of my dad, which was his two favourites. Um, but the, he played a lot of stuff and these were the two favourites I got. So I was sitting there one day counting the cars and they said, right, so ha, ha, what have you got? Um, I said like five blues and blah, 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 whatever. So my mate said, um, I've got the new Kids on the Block album. Do you want to listen to it? So I said, no, I'm fine. I said, I've got my own stuff. And he said, what have you got? I said, I've got um, the best of Steely Dan and the best of the Kinks. Nice. <laughs> so, you know, this is probably... I hear Steely Dan and the Kinks over New Kids on the Block any day of the week too. So, so this, is, this is probably 1988, 89, something like that. Whenever the New Kids came out, 89, 90. And I, I, those were what I was listening to at the time. Steely Dan, who I'm still a massive fan of, Sin Live as well. And the Kinks is greatest hits. Um, so I was kind of at a step in the eighties of what was going on, but I did obviously get into Bon Jovi. I liked Poison as well. Um, what they used to do in England, there was a magazine called Kerrang. I don't know if you get it in America and it was a, a music yeah. magazine, but every so many months they would release a video, um, called Kerrang one, two, three, four. Whatever. And what they would do, they would put the videos of the most popular artists on these, like, like a greatest hits thing. So every six months you would watch these videos. And I remember watching Poison's video, a band called Halloween. I don't remember them. They were on it. Um, yeah. my, my friend was really heavily into Iron Maiden. Um, so a lot of it for me, for when I was around, my, his name was Garnet. So when I was around his house, he would play Iron Maiden records all the time. And I remember we walked to John um, W.H. Smith's uh, to get the album Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. It had just come out. And I remember we walked there to pick it up uh, with the amazing cover of Eddie, like this half droplet thing on the front. The artwork was always amazing for Iron Maiden. Um, so really, I suppose it would be, um, it would be Steely Dan for me. It was uh, that. And then I was a huge, huge Queen fan. Um, okay. So we had, what we had was a guy. That, I, isn't it kind of like a rule that if you live in England, like you have to be a Queen fan? Now it is. Now it is. So, so what I was, is, I'll, I'll tell you about that as well. So what I was, is you, you used to have these guys that would have vans and they would come around with videos and you would rent the video at the van. So he would go oh. like, so instead of you going to a video shop, but they would, they would get it somewhere. They're probably bootlegs. And they would come around and go, you can have the, like four films for a fiver and you keep it for a week and you come around a week later and pick it up. And I used to get the Queen's Greatest Hits video every single week. So in the end, my mum said, you can, I'll buy it. Cause it was costing, a, I think four quid a week and it was only 10 pounds to buy. So eventually she gave in and she bought it for me. And I played that video to death, you know, and it's got, um, all, so the Greatest Hits album on video. Imagine that, that's what it is. And then, so talking about like liking Queen. So I liked Queen then, and then I had um, like a quick Queen poster. And uh, I remember 91, Freddie died. We're going to jump forward a tiny bit. Freddie died. I remember that day at school, I got more crap that one day than I've ever had in my entire life. When Because Freddie Mercury came out as HIV positive, and then he died the next day. So... That was that was the timeline. So then I've gone I've gone into school the next day and it like because everyone knew I liked Queen. It was one of the things where just people know what you like, don't they, when you're in school. They know what you like. So it's yeah. like, oh, you and your fag music, and oh, that gay boy, all this sort of stuff, you know. I got in a lot of fights that day. I'm a very calm person and I don't fight, but just people wanted to fight you for, you know, Freddie Mercury being gay. There was a lot of that going on that day. I remember that. So there was a you know, so I was a huge Queen fan. Anyway, ironically now. You know, you you fast forward thirty years. 
these people have grown up. You've got my Facebook. And it's like, um, you know, The Miracle by Queen. Oh, this is one of my favourite songs of all time. And it's like, you know, the irony of then and now. It's like, you know. Not when you were 14, it was. <laughs> so, yeah. So when you're 14, you know, you, and you like Queen, you, you just got to be ready for a fight. And when you're older. Now, now Queen now in England is an institution. You can't not like Queen. You're absolutely right. It's but, almost like that here, and which is funny because growing up, it was like, um, like you know, we were rocky, we were the champions, we're popular, yeah. you know, and another one bites the dust, like some of these things are coming out. So like the like they were respected and revered like by the rock and roll community, but like the normal top forty, whatever, it was just a few songs here and there. Mm. As time has gone on, like now, it's like. Queens re- revered as gods or something. It's yeah. like how 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 did that happen? I mean, Queen Queen got really hurt by the they did the um, I want to break free video, didn't they? And they dressed up as in drag. Oh yeah, and yeah. then um, they were doing taking the pee out of a program in England, like Coronation Street, which is a soap opera. But mm-hmm. apparently, a lot of America didn't understand the humor, and it was like, oh, they're cross dressing. I mean, this is the eighties. It's a different. Everyone's different now. But oh yeah, you know, the mindset then was you can't do that. <laughs> so well, there were there was the yeah. the Van Halen Pretty Woman uh video the MTV would not air because there was a person dressed in drag in it. Crazy. Like really? I never saw the big deal. I mean it's it's really strange like videos could come out. You had Frankie says um like Relax by Frankie goes to Hollywood which is mm-hmm. a really extreme video when you watch it and then you've got I want to break free and stuff like that. But if you tried to play that on the radio in England that got banned. My teacher accidentally banned banned George Michael one day. He um he worked he works for the he works for the BBC and uh, I want your sex was coming out as a single and a couple of people heard it and they said oh, I don't like this it's too racy so he was in his office um just doing what he was doing and the walker just said sign this for me so he went okay just signed it then it turned out he was one of the people that banned the single by huh. so they didn't tell him what it was for they just said I'll sign this he went okay like because he was busy doing something and he when you look at the banned people his name was on it and he said I love that record I want to band it. <laughs> so, like, huh. So Were you dropped that day? Yes. Yeah. So in in England, MTV, um, you could play whichever video you liked. And, and like I mean, if you look at Duran Duran videos, they're really, really near the knuckle sometimes. You know, like Oh yeah. Uh, is it girls on film with their mud wrestling at the start and stuff like that? That's the one. So yeah, yeah but I, I mean in England, MTV, if you had MTV, you was rich in England. That's how it worked. You know, I didn't I ne- I never got MTV at all in my entire life. My friend Ross had it, so I used to have to go to his house to watch the videos. And um, so it's strange. Yeah, you could play whatever video you wanted on MTV in England, and that's fine. But if you try to put a record like Relax on, that got banned, you know, mm-hmm. and then I Want Your Sex instantly banned, you know what I mean, and things oh, like that. It's funny. It's just it's just ironic that, you know, Walk on the Wild Side by Lou Reed got under the radar completely. Yeah. And, what about uh, Lola by The Kinks? Again. But if you listen to Happy Talking by Captain Sensible, I don't know if you had that single over there. He was from The Damned. He actually says a swear word. A lady's part, beginning with C, he says that in the actual song and it got through and no one knew it until he spoke about it two years ago. And then when you do, honestly, when you hear the, hear the record now, you can't unhear it. He's absolutely, so he was recording the single, they were doing the backing track. They said, go to the pub for a little bit. So he's got absolutely plastered, come back and sung the vocal, which is the one on the track, swore in the middle eight part and no one picked up on it. And he said two years ago, he said, no one's ever pulled me on it. And they still play it now. And no one's actually said, actually, we know he says the C word and they still do it. Which is funny when you, because when you think about context, I want your sex is about monogamy. Yeah. 
it's, it's, it's about, you know, um, clean sex. You yeah. know, it's about, you know, only one partner and being safe or whatever. That is, uh, that's hilarious. So if you want to know which bit it is, I'll, I'll give you a clue. It, it's the mid late part where he says, um, see the little boys and the little girls. And he says, jolly baby, I'm a lucky C word. So if you, <laughs> wow. if you hear the record now, you can't unhear it. And I, every time I've heard it now, since I found out on the radio, I, I can hear it every time. And it just makes me, it makes me laugh. Now it's in my brain forever. <laughs> it's, it's an earworm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. An earworm. Nice. <laughs> so what, what is the first album you ever bought? Oh, that's a difficult one. Oh, I suppose it would be. I, let me rephrase that. Okay. First album as a music fan, not a little kid that just kind of found an album somewhere. It would have been The Game by Queen, the, the 1980 oh, okay. album. Yeah. That was a great one. Yes. I remember that, I got... That is my favorite Queen album, by the way. Fantastic album, yeah. Uh, actually, I'll rephrase that. Uh, so it would have been Wet, Wet, Wet's first album, popped in, okay. sold out. But I bought it for my mum as a present. Mm-hmm. So I first got pocket money when I had enough to like it got one up from 25p to 50 or something. I saved up for like seven months and when I bought her a record as a present because she's my mum and she's amazing. And then oh, and, you're a good son, aren't you? Oh, I'll try. And then I the first record I bought for me was The Game. So technically it was Wet Wet Wet, but it wasn't for me. So The Game was the one. I mean, that album is brilliant. If people haven't heard The Game by Queen, I, I, I mean, News of the World sometimes I think okay. is the best. And Think, then the game. Thinking of, thinking of the game, what's your favorite so- song on that album? I like Rocket Prime Jive. I, I like that one too. Which is one of the songs. There's a, there's a really good podcast called uh, Queen Cast or Queen Pod. Queen Pod. And they, they basically review all the albums um, from Queen and they talk about live concerts and stuff like that. Um, and that's the song they slated the most. And I think that's one of the better songs on it. I think my, it, my, my favorite's Dragon Attack. Yeah, Dragon Attack's really good. I just think, you know, don't try suicides on there, which is a positive message. Oh, yeah. yeah. Me and my friend used to sing that all the time. Really? Yeah. We just sit there and just snap your fingers and sing it. And nice. I don't know why we did. I don't know why that memory come flooding back just then, but. That's yes. nice. It's because we're talking about it. Yeah. It's a crime yeah. that John Deacon, uh, you know, the bass player is basically a recluse now because to talk to that guy would, would just be amazing. Yeah. You know, he was just the most level headed one out of all of them, as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, he, he seemed like it. He's like, like you said, the bass player, he just kind of sits in the back, does his thing, yeah. clocks out and goes home. He's, he's just, his story. There was a great documentary. I don't know if you've got America about Queen, and it, it was about three hours long um, mm-hmm. going through their life. And he, he didn't take part in it. It's a real shame because you've got Freddie on tape, you've got Brian Roger now, but to her, John's version of it would have been brilliant. Just, but, it, yeah. Yeah. But you get seen in London at restaurants every now and again, but, you know, it's a shame. But, yeah, I suppose the game would be the first one that I, I remember. I remember I went to John Menzies again because that's what we had here in our town. And I, I bought a fit. I've still got it next door. I've still got the uh, still got the vinyl. I've still got it. Yeah. And it's, you know, I was a, I was a great junk shop person. My my mum and nan used to take me, because, like I said, we were poor. So they would take me to um, a place called Bernardo's, which was a, a children's charity. So you would buy um, bric-a-brac for nothing, you know. And I remember there was always vinyls there. So I, I, I crewed a lot of vinyls, which we still have today, from those shops. And I've got a great love for charity and, you know, giving things to charity shops and buying from charity shops. You know, be, be, yeah, you know before it became trendy, like it is now. <laughs> yes, yes, now it's all the rage. So um, if you had to have one album, one 80s album, you could only listen to for the rest of your life. You could only listen to one album. It, in the 80s only, from 1980 to 1989. Yeah. Which one would it be? 
New kids on the block. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> Thanks, goodness. I didn't want to have to edit. <laughs> yeah, again, that's a really, really hard question, isn't it? There's so much stuff. There's yeah. so much stuff. I mean, it depends what genre I want to walk down. Could I have one for every genre or is it just got to be one record only? You know, you, you take a couple different genres. You, you do two or three albums. Okay. Um, well, mm-hmm. Queen's Greatest Hits, I think, would be the one. I think that's the yeah. one that I've got the most memories of playing. Like I say, it was Steely Dan's greatest hits. It was um, uh, the Kinks and then the Queen one. They're the, they're the three albums I remember I just played endlessly, you know, over and over again. So, yeah, so the, the, well, the, the Steely Dan one I had come out in 78. That's the one with the white cover. And the Kinks one came out in 90. So kind of any of those. So, yeah, it would be Queen, Queen's greatest hits. I'll, I'll pick that one. I think that makes more sense for me to say. Okay. A um, couple more questions before we move on to the to the last segment. So, um, are there any bands in England that maybe didn't hit big in the U.S. that you thought we should this thought that you thought should have been bigger and that maybe we should go back and listen to now? Did you have did the specials do very well for you? They didn't, um, yeah. and sort of. So our MTV story, like the day MTV launched, it was only on a few cable systems in the U.S. I was fortunate that the um, that the cable cable company I had was playing it. So day one, I was watching MTV. Yeah, I was. I had a paper route, so I delivered newspapers in the neighborhood, and then I got back for video number two, which was Pat Benatar hit me with your best shot. Nice. Instead of I miss video killed the radio star, but oh, of course it looped. I saw it a thousand times later. But um, what was ha- what happened on MTV back then is uh, if you you, know, you could read up on this, um, the MTV was trying to get their hands on as many music videos from as many record labels as they could. Yeah, many record labels like CBS, for example, would not give up their videos like they saw it as a fad for fashion <laughs> of pain. They wanted MTV to pay them. To, to show the videos, yeah, which they didn't have. Again, they figured out later that, hey, I've got this audience of teenagers seeing their favorite stars and buying the records. Like in Oklahoma, in the middle of America's uh, Southwest, uh, Duran Duran's uh, Rio album was selling thousands and thousands of copies, and they couldn't figure out why it was selling so well there. And they figured out, oh, it's one of the few markets at that time that had MTV. <laughs> nice. They were kind of figuring it out. But back to the thing, the specials, um, they were one of those bands that were on early MTV because they were trying to get their hands on any anything they could. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember the specials from back then. I, I liked them. Because yeah. there's, there's a really fascinating documentary about the Go-Go's. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, and um, I have not, and I, and I have been meaning to ever – it's been out for about a year or so now. That's it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. the um, – Jane Wilden was seeing um, one of um, the specials because they were on tour together. And Our Lips Are Sealed was written pretty much by both of them. So one of the specials and one of the Go-Go's. Um, and the specials, you know, they started their own label. Jeffrey Dammers, the keyboard player, started Two-Tone, the record label, who then launched a massive Scar-based band, bands in right. England. So, you know, the specials are definitely worth a look. Did you get Adam Ant in America. Um, well, you know, it's funny because when Adam and the Ants, again, I was a little offbeat myself because like, you know, prior to like MTV, we're kind of exposed to top 40 radio, which pretty much was the hits or you're listening to the to the to the rock station, which is, you know, the more rock and roll stuff. Yeah. And 
Um, so I would buy like Rolling Stone magazine mm-hmm. and Rolling Stone would have charts on there and they'd have the British charts. And I'd see bands on there like Adam and the Ants, like um, Bow Wow Wow, like the specials or yeah. Madness or people like that. So I'm like, I would love to just hear what these guys, because th- we didn't have the internet. There was no outlet. There were no radio stations playing them. And uh, when MTV was launched, we're now seeing these Adam and the Ants videos. Yeah. And then Adam Ant never really caught on here until the Friend or Foe album came out. And yeah. then Goody Two Shoes was a huge, massive hit here. Yeah. And, uh, so that that's kind of, again, he faded out fast here, man. I know he had a, a, a decent, probably decade-long career. Yeah. We only got about a year or two where he had a, a decent impact here in the U.S. So it's um, kinda... interesting. He had a man. Like I loved him when I was a kid straight away. And I've got this, I've still got the seven inches next door, the singles. And even now I refer to some of the lyrics of his songs to when I decide to do something. So mm-hmm. I, like I started the podcast uh, and like I'm in my forties now and I thought, am I going to do that or not? Is it going to work? What's the point? You know, like, like that you do when you, you dance yourself. And in the song Prince Charm In, he says ridicule is nothing to be scared of. And I've literally followed that mantra my entire life. That, that one sentence, I don't have any tattoos at all. I don't have tattoos. But if I did, I'd have that. You know, don't be afraid. Yeah, don't be afraid. Don't be scared to be laughed at if it doesn't work. And that was one of the reasons. I know we'll talk about it in a bit, but why my podcast happened, because that song gave me the confidence to do it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. 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 That's funny you say that, because I when, when I started seeing Adam and the Ants videos, I started buying the cassettes, mm. and Prince Char- the Prince Charming cassette was one of my very favorites. And when you said, when you talk about lyrics, you said, I'm like, he's going to say ridicule is nothing to be scared of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, did you have Shaking Stevens in America? I don't think you did, did you? You know what? That is hilarious, because he had <laughs> one charting hit here. Uh, I cried just a little bit. Mm. That yeah, that's, is that's the a good one, one song that hit here. It, it was not a huge hit, and most people don't remember, but I do. But yeah, I I was reading someplace where he was a, a huge star over there, just like Cliff was, Richard was never a big star here, but huge over there. But I mean, anyway, I'm sorry, back to Shaking Stevens. It's just yeah, I mean, Shaking Stevens is a weird phenomenon because he's an English, no, he's a Welshman pretending to be an Elvis impersonator to a degree and singing an Elvis style, but. He's great. And going over well in England, but not in America where yeah. he was. Yeah, it's very weird. Yeah. He's, uh, I mean, he was massive when I was a kid and I've got all the singles next. Funny enough. So my house that I'm in now, we, me and my, my girlfriend bought it two, three years ago this year. So we moved in and this is pre pandemic. I went down the town on my own to have a walk around. I found a charity shop. Like I said, I love charity shops. I went in and there was a, I guess it's four foot by two foot poster of Shaking Stevens that was signed at the bottom. <laughs> By no yeah, so I brought it home and just <laughs> said, "Don't go mad," but I've got this. <laughs> you know, I just had to have it, and it was it was like ten dollars. You know, I could not walk past it. Like, not- where are you going to hang that at exactly, Robbie? <laughs> <laughs> I've no idea, and it's still in the cupboard upstairs. <laughs> but he's a, he's a. I mean, in, in England, everyone was shaky, crazy, and like, he, I mean, he did he did a lot of covers of American classics to a degree. He did like this old yeah. house and. Well, but he wrote his own songs, and the ones he did write were really, really good. Like, you would not know the join, if you know what I mean. You wouldn't tell what, what he wrote and what he covered. He did them all very well. And, uh, yeah, he was huge. He's touring, hopefully, next year. I want to go and see him and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, Shaky's another one. I'd say if you've never seen Shaking Stevens, just for the novelty value of an American looking yeah. at an Elvis wannabe, I suppose, it's worth checking out. 
Yeah. Which it it was probably a year or so ago when I was when I was actually saw that song and I and I that's when I kind of found out he was huge in England. Yeah. I started you know, kind of looking him up like, okay, what's uh what's you know, who is this guy? And I did find several songs on there. I was listening to a few that, that I liked. Yeah, yeah, it's good. That that one hit is the one that, that I probably remember the most. But it's really good. Yeah. Okay, so the the last music question I'll ask you. Sure. Is are there any um American acts that you know were huge in America that maybe didn't quite resonate with the British crowd that you kind of thought maybe should have? Um that's a difficult one. Yeah. The thing is, we were so shut off. We didn't have access to what was, do you mean like retrospectively now, what would, mm-hmm. what would be a good band? Um, Jellyfish. They come out in the late 80s. Jellyfish were very good. And, okay. and um, uh, do you know Jellyfish? I've heard of here. Oh, so Jellyfish were a band. They, if you can put the Beach Boys and the Beatles together, then they, that would be Jellyfish. So the first, the last album come out in 89, I believe it was, and then it was 90 onward. Um, if I've got this wrong, I apologise, but I'm sure they were. it was 80. No, no, no. I've, I've heard of them, but I, yeah. I couldn't tell you one song they sung. So maybe I have to look into them. Um, joining a fan club is the big one. But amazingly, they're having this massive resurgence at the minute on YouTube and stuff like that. People are discovering them. Uh, and then mm. they're, they're kind of shooting up in the charts a bit from nowhere. Like they're just All of a sudden, everybody's talking about them. You know, like something hits the zeitgeist and they're gone. And they, and they just travel and all that. American bands, though, I honestly don't know. I don't know what bands were around at the time that I would think were... We're really, really good at the time. I might have to come back to you on that one. I've got to think about that one, I think. Well, so one, one thing you brought up earlier, which is a little bit surprising, which I would have never thought, is you brought up Poison. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Poison, then, yeah. Were they, were they big there? They weren't big. You know what? You're right. I'll use that. I was, I was forgetting Poison. So Poison yeah. were on those videos I told you about, the okay. Kerrang videos. And then you had Look What The Cat Dragged In. Uh, yeah, the album come out huge here. Yeah. I would I, I listen to that. That sounds very American, uh, pretentious to me. Yeah, that I would think the Brits would not get into. So, but yeah, I mean, it's yet again. It's that um, my friend listened to Iron Maiden. That kind of so he he was like, oh, this band's you might like these. They're very glam sort of thing because it reminded me of the seventies stuff. You know, or the yeah, very much. so yeah. I would say Poison. I mean, Poison could probably fill out a stadium, but not over so many nights. So I'll, okay. I'll, yeah, I'll take that as yeah. You're right. I'll take Poison. I think Poison would be the one that were that I really liked. Oh, Vixen was another one. Vixen. Okay. Yeah. 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 Vixen. I remember. Um, is it Edge of a Lonely Heart? Is that their song? Yeah. 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 I mean, that was on that video again. I remember thinking they're really good. Um, but that that they sort that's more the, easy on the eyes too. They were. Yeah. 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 And I yeah. So that I would suppose those as well. Yeah, they was, um, but my friend, he was into um, like Black Flag and stuff like that. So lately I've been listening to a lot of Black Flag, um, that sort of 80s punk stuff. Um, I don't get it, but he loves it. (laughs) I don't understand it, but he absolutely loves it. And I went to see um, The Residents recently. I went to see those. Um, They're another punk band from the 80s. Um, Yeah, again, I had a great time. I didn't get it, but he was loving it, so... Um, yeah, and you were there to support your friend. I was, yeah, because he, because he's from New York. He went to like CBGBs and he went to, oh yeah, all yeah. these places. So he saw these punk bands and he's like, oh, they're, they're touring. We've got to go and see them. I go, okay. And then uh, you know, I just watch them. And think, oh, they're okay. And um, who's the lot that did um, another really big band? I've listened to him now. Oh, gone out my head. They were on the um, the Nirvana Unplugged album, Meat Puppets. 
The Meat Puppets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've listened to them quite a lot lately. They're another band that were never big until Nirvana made them big. Yeah. Um, they're, right. another, they're another great band that have got some really interesting albums. But like I say, in England, you never really heard of those until Nirvana mentioned it. But that was in the 90s they got mentioned. So it was, a, you know, nearly a decade previous they had the first album out. So gotcha. it's, yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So we're going to take a one more brief break and mm-hmm. then we're going to come back and we're going to talk all about your podcast. What can we expect? So hang tight. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Living in the 80s. This is our last segment here. And again, I've got Robbie Burgess with me here. And Robbie, I want to give you the chance now to talk about your podcast. Because, you know, part of one of the reasons that we wanted to do this today was to really help um, expand your audience. So, you know, people that may not know who you are or what the podcast is about, you're going to get a chance to let them know what to expect. I know you've had some very special guests that have been very cool. Mm-hmm. So talk to it like pretend I've never heard of your podcast before, never listened to it, don't know what to expect. Yeah. What would a listener expect if they tuned in? Well, shall I tell you I got into it? For, to- yes, yes, please start from the beginning. Okay, I'll tell you I got into it because it makes more sense, I think. It's a bit of a linear story. So um, I was working part-time for some radio stations on and off, doing bits and bobs, uh, and I was doing 80 shows on all of them. And then, um, unfortunately, my dad got really ill when he was dying. So I went, I went to saw my dad, and I was like, Dad, I'm fed up. I'm doing all these shows. He said, well, you know what you got to do? You've got to start your own radio station. So I went, all right, then. So <laughs> as you do, I went off and started a radio station with my friend, and I was doing the 80s show on that. And then um, I just got an email out of the blue um, from, uh, should I name the artist or not? I don't know if I should name him. Oh, anyway, an artist emailed me and just said, um, oh, by the way, I've got a new single coming out. Would you like to talk to me? So I was like, yeah, okay, cool. So I did, um, I emailed the person and we got the uh, dialogue going and I interviewed this artist and it went really well. And uh, I, I never... Wait, wait, hold on a second. Mm. We love name dropping around here. Oh, Okay. So feel free to, to plug any artist or song or whatever you want to. Here. Okay. So it was um, Charlene Oliver who had a hit with Never Been To Me. And um, and she um, she emailed me and said, I've got a new single coming out. Would you like to talk to me? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. So Wait. Charlene, the one that has the song about sleeping with the kings and the whole thing. I think that's that, the one, that yeah. Charlene. It goes, hey, lady. Da, 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 da. Yeah, we voted that as the worst song of all time on <laughs> Living in the <laughs> <laughs> Oh, really? Been to Georgia and California, that one. Oh, yeah. So, hold yeah. on. Wait. Mind blown. <laughs> so, Charlene reached out to you yeah. about interviewing her on your show. Yeah. So, uh, some of our listeners are looking right now, and they're laughing. And, and guaranteed, I know Kevin, mm. not... Not that Kevin talked about before, Kevin Ackley, who does a podcast. I guarantee he is texting me right this second as he's <laughs> listening to this. This is hilarious. So I'm sorry. Continue. Okay. I mean, you might not like the record, but she's the loveliest person in the world. She was absolutely lovely. So we basically, um, like we do now, we Zoomed and I interviewed Charlene and it went really, really well. Now, podcasting is one of those things that was always around. And I knew about it since it started. I knew people did. And, and I had no interest in it whatsoever because I was doing radio stuff and bits and bobs on that. And uh, I interviewed Charlene and I played it and out. And then um, I got an email from somebody saying, I really like your interview. That was really great. Have you got any more? So I was like, actually, no, I didn't think about it. It was one of those things where I just did one. I thought, that that's nice. That's an added bonus for the show. And then I just switched off from it. 
And then a few mates of mine said, like, you know, I really like that. You should do some more. So I was like, okay, then. So I thought, right, if I'm going to do a podcast, what is it going to be about? Like, because there's um, people talking about it and there's people talking about 80s movies. And so I want to do something completely unique, a little bit different. So I thought, well, I interviewed Charlie and Oliver, who's a musician in the 80s. So why don't I talk to 80s musicians? Like, you know, just find out about, you know. So my experience of the 80s was, like I said, it was all sunshine and stuff like that. But like I said, we were really poor, me and my mum. So we, my mum had like, she, how can you put it? The eighties wasn't terrible for my mum, but she didn't enjoy it either. It wasn't all plain sailing. It was, you know, we got electricity cut off and bits and bobs like that. And so she had a great time and a terrible time. I had a wonderful time in the eighties and that's all I remember. So I thought, I wonder what a musician's version of that was like, you know, was it all sunshine and roses? So I, I've just um, thought I'd do another interview and uh, I thought, right, so I'm going to do a podcast. I want to talk to eighties musicians about their careers good or bad, you know, whether they had a hit, whether they didn't have a hit, whether they had a one-hit wonder or whether they were successful. I just thought I'd try and talk to the people that did it. So the show is mainly um, me talking to musicians from the 80s about their albums and their singles and their experiences. And like anything, you know, you talk to, um, like Charlene Oliver, we talked to Charlene, and she recorded uh, a song with Stevie Wonder. So it's... No way! Yeah, yeah, she did. Yeah, yeah. No idea. So, yeah, so she recorded a song with Stevie Wonder, which I think it got banned because the lyrics were too racy. They were a bit near the knuckle. It was it was innocent lyrics, but they decided it was, you know, too near the knuckle, so they banned the record. And it's things like that, you know, like people just go to me, would go to Charlene, you know, tell me about your biggest hit. Right, thank you very much. Let's move on. Whereas, you know, I said to, you know, what's, you know, what's the weirdest collaboration you've had? Oh, Stevie Wonder. And then you've opened a new door and she gets to talk about something new for a change you know, oh, cool. and stuff like that. So to me, I'm really interested in, you know, there's things that you could talk about. Um, like I interviewed a guy called Owen Paul, who had a hit with You're My Favourite Waste of Time, um, which was a, a, it was technically a one-hit wonder in England. I don't know if it got anywhere in the States, but anyway. So back in, on the telly in the 80s, they used to mime to the records a lot. You know, they would, they would play the record, they would mime and do the bit, you know, sing I'm along. Like Yeah. And then he was famously on a show called Pebble Mill, uh, which was a daytime TV show. And he was doing the single and the, I don't know if his monitors went down or he could near it, but the record started and he just sat there staring with a guitar, you know, and eventually his mate realised he was playing the other guitar and started miming. So he carried on. So there's footage of this all over the place, you know, like the most embarrassing TV things and da, 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 da. And in the, when I interviewed him, I decided I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not interested in, in a mistake. You know what I mean? I want to know about you hearing that single. So that was a one-hit wonder for him in England. But originally, Bette Midler did it on a live video, which is where he heard it. Mm-hmm. So it's things like that. You know, I don't want to embarrass people I'm talking to. I want to generally find out about the record, where it came from, was it easy to record and stuff like that. And you find, you know, I'm not here to dig dirt on people and I don't want to talk about embarrassing things. I'm not interested in that, you know. And I've, and I've seen this gentleman, Owen, interviewed a few times and people bring that up and I just think you don't need to talk about that. It's his music that's important. That's what makes the man who he is and why you're talking to him. You don't need to talk about well, Not him. only that, but like, it's already been talked about. Like, yeah, okay, it is. Find him on. Kind of like class reunions. It's yeah. in the past. So, yeah. And he's got, he's got a fantastic sense of humor about it. He really has. But I thought, you know, I don't want to be that guy that brings that rubbish up because it's not important. The reason mm-hmm. people are talking to him are about his record. And that's what I want to know about. Their personal lives don't come into it for me at all. Um, if they had a drug problem or something and they bring it in and say, you know, around the time I had really bad drugs, I didn't really stand five years. Fine. If you want to talk about that, it's fine. You won't get that from my podcast. You'll get me asking about their career, their records and their albums and what they're doing next. 
And, um, you know, they've been, it's amazing that how lovely the, the people are from the eighties in general, the, the artists. Um, I mean, like, do you want me to tell you about how I get the guests or do you want me to go in a bit yeah, about the history? Yes, please do. I'm very interested in, in hearing how this happens. So literally for anyone that's the start, the same podcast as me, here's how I do it. Um, I find their website online and I email them and that's it. That's all I've done. Huh. And then generally um, they'll either say yeah or no. And then you can just set up a date, a Zoom date, and then that's it. And that's all I've done. I've done nothing special. I don't know anybody in the music industry. I'm not connected to anybody. I've just emailed them. And then fortunately my first email lands. And if it doesn't, I'll email them a week later and say, can I talk to you still? By the way, I'm still here. I'm not gone. Uh, generally on the second emails, you get a response from people. And then, then they know you're a little more serious. Yeah. And also they get so much traffic probably that you disappear in their email lists. And then the week later you bounce at the top again and they, they remember you're there. But they've been. There's you know what's going to happen now, don't you? The what's people that? that listen to my podcast are all all the time are going to start texting, and emailing me like, "Hey, you need to get John Bon Jovi on the podcast." <laughs> next week. Yeah, we, uh, we want to hear Madonna or Cindy Lauper. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's one of those things where you you have to know where you're, where you're aiming at. You know, there's yeah. there's different. There's I mean, we'll talk off. Of, of Mike about like the differences because it's not fair to name and shame people on here but th- there's different people you know that you might be able to get and then there's there's almost different cat in England in particular I've noticed there's different categories of 80s artists and mm-hmm. if you know roughly where you can aim um, mm-hmm. you, you're more likely to get an interview um, sure. and everybody I've spoke to has been very, very lovely. Like there's a running joke. My, my friend listens to my podcast and he says, every episode you say he's a lovely, lovely guy. And it's like, because he was a lovely, lovely guy. And he said, you've got to stop saying that sentence. <laughs> so if, <laughs> if anybody goes back and finds out his Rewind Show podcast, every episode, you're going to be going, he's a lovely, lovely guy. Because <laughs> they, they generally were really nice. There's two kind of interviews I've discovered. Um, there's Q and A interviews where I'll talk to say you, Rob, and you'll talk to me. And then there's right. ones where they will talk at you for two hours. You know, there's, there's, yeah. there's two kind of interviews. Um, there was one artist, I'm not going to name names on this one cause it's not fair, but I, I had a line of, um, so we started the, um, the, the zoom chat and he came on and I was like, hello. And he said, I've just done an interview, brilliant radio, with, um, interview of radio one, by the way. So that's how it started. <laughs> So ah. it, it started with him telling me he's already done a brilliant interview. So you're like, okay, right then. And then um, I had basically, like, I, I research everybody I interview. I don't wing an interview like yourself. I do my background and I'll listen to, so if I, like, I, I spoke to Dennis Seaton for Musical Youth, who did pass the Duchy um, last week, I think it was. So for the, yeah, so for the fortnight before, I listened to Musical Youth's albums, all the singles I could find related to it, and then their history online um, as much as I could learn about them. And then from that, I decide what I want to talk about. Um, like I can give you an, an instance of, yeah, again, musical youth. So you had the five lads and then when the band broke up, one of them um, ended up being killed, I think it was. And one of them ended up in a mental institution. Unfortunately, he died two days ago. Funny enough, he died two oh, days no. ago. Did none of this. Yeah. So um, it's one of those things where I had all that background there and I ignored those facts. It was like, right, you talk to me about musical youth, you know what I mean? And your single and how it affected your life. You know, and it's it's that sort of thing. So anyway, going back to what I was talking about, I'd written out 30 questions for this person because this I'm not going to name this person, but he had a massive career and he'd done a lot of stuff and he had a lot of, he was in the right places at the right time in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And he decided to talk at me for two hours. And it was like, 
So tell me when you when you did so this. The questions out the window. Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> much, much from my research. It was, yeah, and it was like, so tell me about when you released this single, and then he decided to talk about what his favorite restaurant was to eat at in the eighties, and it was like, no matter what I said to this person, he wasn't going to talk eighties or anything, uh, you know. And it, and it comes to the point of you know, do you bin the interview or do you put it out? And I did put it out. And if people go back and hear the catalog, you can decide which person I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's only fair, I think, to say, but. Yeah, it's amazing. So You're very gracious. Oh well, thank you. But it, it's 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 amazing. You know, like I say, I started the um, you know the podcast as 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 an idea and a project. It's now become something I love doing, and I I really enjoy doing it. And like you very kindly guesting me on your show, I love talking to you and doing things. And I didn't realize how much I really was going to enjoy it. I just thought it's just a thing. You know, like, I thought that's a thing. I'll do that. And then now I've got my feet under it, and I've got. Um, you know, eight, seven or eight episodes out and I'm speaking to many different people. I'm really, mm-hmm. really loving it. And it's the difference of all these people that I really enjoy. Like Dennis Seaton, um, you know, is from a reggae background, if you like, um, you know, Charlene's from a Midwest background, you know, and it's just the backgrounds of everybody being different and ending up in the same area, like having a song in the eighties and now they got there. I, I spoke to um, the last one I released at the time of this recording was Simon Napier Bell. And I don't know if that name rings any bells, but he was the manager for Wham, um, Japan and the Yardbirds for many mm-hmm. years. So it's nice as well to talk to somebody that was involved in the 80s, but wasn't directly releasing records and bits and bobs like that. And his, his interview was very interesting, you know, just from a, a, a fan point of view. Some of the stuff I found out, you know, talking about producing the Yardbirds and Jimmy Page and, you know, and he also wrote um, the English lyrics for the song You Don't Have to Say You Love Me by Dusty Springfield as well so he had such a varied career you know you you have the opposite where you have try to cram too much into an hour you know it goes in reverse as well but you know i love the podcast and i love talking to people from the 80s and i love just meeting new people online it's always the same you know the minute before i go on i'm absolutely bricking it and the minute after i've been on i'm fine talking to him it's like talking to old friends because they're so friendly and they're so lovely um they're just they're just great they're really really great and it's you know it's unfortunate sometimes i forget be, be it, you have an hour with these people because they're generally busy you know yeah. i do i do forget and i just i have a list of questions and i've only asked the first five because the, the other five were you know in the next half an hour when i've hit that hour mark and they've got to go because they've got somebody else to talk to <laughs> so sure. you know i just get so into it i enjoy it so much i forget what i'm doing sometimes but yeah it is fun it's great i just hope that sometime after this podcast when you're talking about me you refer to me as lovely as well because if not i want to be offended oh i will don't worry (laughs) you're awesome (laughs) all right um i think i think that kind of covers it just one more time tell us where we can find the podcast okay name it as it should be so it's the 80s rewind show podcast um, and it's on all the sites. It's on Stitch. Uh, oh, I get that wrong every time. Stitcher. It's on Amazon. Um, it's on Apple Podcasts. Um, Spotify. Maybe. It's on Spotify. Yeah, it's on Audible. Um, I do actually put the YouTube videos up of the interviews, but I don't show the footage. It's just like a picture with the audio. So if okay. you prefer it on YouTube, it's on there as well. I've, I've been lucky. So far, I spoke to um, Nick Haywood from Haircut 100. He was lovely. I'm doing, oh, cool. doing it again. Yeah. I'm doing it again. doing it again. I spoke to um, Rusty Egan, who was in Visage, um, Dennis Seaton from Musical Youth, Charlene, obviously, um, and Jack... Oh, I, I t- can I go back for one second? Is that is that all right? Oh, yeah. No, go. You're good. So I, I spoke to Jack Hughes from Wang Chung, 
Um, oh, nice! Yeah. I love Wang Chung. So I, I emailed Jack. Um, now, is, is he is he the blonde haired lead singer? Or is he the other guy? He's right. Yeah, he's the blonde. He's the blonde okay, guy. Gotcha. Okay, gotcha. Um, sure. And um, so <laughs> it was one of those things where he was my second interview. Right. So I set up the interview and I said. Um, because uh, a guy I know who runs my rec- local record shop where I buy a lot of vinyl, he just said, I've just said I'm doing this thing. Da, da, da. He said, oh, I think Jack Hughes lives around here. Why don't you Google him and find out? So I Googled Jack, found him uh, through the website, emailed Jack and uh, just sent an email. I said, hey, Jack, can I come and see you and interview? And he was like, yeah, sure. He said, come over the house. And I was like, what? <laughs> he's wow. like, and he's like, yeah, it turns out he's about 10 miles from me. And uh, he's like, yeah, come over the house and, and have a chat. So, Wang Chung were one of those bands where I think they were big in America, but not very big in England. You know, I, really? I, yeah, and I don't, oh. I don't think he'll mind me saying that. I, I think they were bigger in the States. Um, and so I've gone to Jack's house, um, which was lovely, and he's got gold discs on the wall, and he's a huge Beatles fan, and we're talking about the Beatles for ages. And then, yeah. um, uh, so he made me a lovely cup of tea, and we set the, I set the mics up in his kitchen, and we did the interview. And uh, he could not have been a nicer person. You know, I mean, he did not know me, and I didn't know him. And he just invited me around his house, we had a cup of tea. The interview was really, really great. And uh, he was talking about touring with the cars because they toured with the cars for a bit. And then uh, William Friedkin, who did the ex- Exodus movies, a friend of his because they did the soundtrack for Live and Die in LA um, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it was, yeah. after, it was after the interview, I got back and I put it together and I started to really look into um, Wang Chung's history properly. Like as in, because I was building a web page for my website, which is coming out soon. And I actually realised what a big star he is. And it was, it was kind of like, you know, I was just having a cup of tea with him. And he's this huge star. He was a huge star, you know. And um, he could not be nicer. Sorry, but yeah, I just, it's one of those weird things where normally it's Zoom, but I actually went to his house and sat with him and had a cup of tea. And uh, and uh, hopefully he's touring soon around our local area. So I said I'd go and see him and have a cup and uh, have another cup of tea or a pint or something. And uh, yeah, yeah, really, really cool. Oh, cool. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So guys, be sure to support the podcast. Check him out. Robbie, by since I got you here, you know we've got our Facebook page. There's you know mm-hmm. plenty of members in the group. Feel free to plug your podcast anytime you want to. Oh, thanks, bud. Get in there, put an ad in for it. Just let you know. Yeah, we, we just want to support you and thanks, and all you're doing there, and you know get a get you a decent American audience over here. Thank you. I mean, I'd, I'd appreciate it. if anyone listens and wants to say I liked it, I didn't like it. That's great. I I take. Criticism of all kinds. You know what I mean, <laughs> doesn't bother me. <laughs> all right. So this is the end of our podcast, and typically we go out with an outro song. Mm-hmm. So I know you're prepared. Yeah. What is what is our outro song for the day? I don't think this was big in America. So it's an Australian pretending to be an a an, an Italian man, and the song was called "Shut Up Your Face." Does it? Really oh any- yes, yes. I'm very familiar with that. It was well. There, there, were, there was a a uh, a show called Doctor Demento, right? And Doctor Demento would play all these offbeat novelty tunes and things like that. And uh, I remember "Shut Up at Your Face." Yeah. yeah. So yeah, <laughs> uh, I would imagine a lot of our audience have no idea what we we are talking about <laughs> right now, but they're about to, right? It's crazy. He's he's Australian pretending to be Italian and singing about his Italian mum. It's just, it's the bizarre <laughs> stuff. But it's got the best sing along chorus you'll ever hear. So if you're first time listening to this track, you're welcome. And <laughs> and secondly, I'm sorry as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. So, Hey, here is, uh, and we're going to do this. We're going to shut up our faces and be out of here. So you guys, thank you, uh, for everyone for listening. Robbie, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining today. Thanks for having it's me. Been, it's 
been a, it's been a blast for me. So I appreciate it. Guys, until next week, take care and God bless. Okay, one time for mama, everybody. What's the matter, you? Hey! Got the no respect. Hey! What do you think you do? Hey! Why are you looking so sad? Hey! It's a not so bad. Hey! It's a nicer place. Oh, shut up with your face. I'm not going to stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't, you know. He doesn't stand for baloney. <laughs>